0: Turn to First Peter chapter one. First Peter chapter one. We're going to look at verses three through nine. I spent a lot of time just uh, focusing on Peter and, and uh, this letter, First Peter and Second Peter. Uh, he touches on just about everything you can want to touch on, and, and, and Peter does an excellent job in, in his letter, and uh, I've come to be blessed by the passage that we're going to cover. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. It reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Today we want to look at this passage uh, which will title 24-carat faith. 24-carat faith. Amen. Peter is writing this letter to Many Christians who are scattered throughout different regions, uh, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, he's writing to these Christians, those who are isolated in different areas and pockets uh, across the region. and Many of them are enduring persecution. Many of them are enduring uh, the trials and tribulations that come as a result of them proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord and Saviour. And we're not just talking about any persecution. We're talking about persecution uh, threatened by death. Uh, and so as opposed to today, whereas everyone seems to be a Christian. Notice I said everyone seems to be a Christian. Uh, they were certainly in the minority, whereas today the Christians seem to be in the majority. They were in the minority, uh, definitely in the minority. And so we see Paul, Peter is focusing on... Uh, their situation. And he's writing this letter to encourage them and to keep them focused on the true uh, meaning of why they're going through what they're going through. And when I was, as I was looking at this passage, one of the things that I was noticing was Peter's speaking about faith and how important faith is. And we focused on faith in the Sunday school lesson, amen? We saw the Canaanite woman who uh, had great faith and because of her faith, her daughter was healed. And so we see through many pastures how important faith is, where if people, those who had faith were healed because of their faith, and those who were not, did not have faith, then they were not healed. And we see that Jesus was rejected in his own hometown, amen, because they had no faith in him. And so we see how important faith is to our walk as Christians. God said in his word that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without it, it is impossible to please God. And so Peter touches on this faith. And when I think about faith, I think about uh, the human heart. When you think about the heart, it is the central organ of the whole body. Everything is, occurs as a result of the heart. It, blood flows through the heart to the rest of the body. You take away the heart, you don't have life. Uh, So it's the same with faith. If you take away faith, you don't have life. Faith in Jesus Christ. And so just like the human heart is essential to the body, our faith is essential to our spiritual body and our spiritual character uh, before God. We see in verse 3 when Peter comes before the people, and he's, he's writing this letter, and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. There's a few things that we see with this faith and and how our faith is important to our walk with Jesus Christ. And we see that the first thing that Peter is pointing out here about their faith is he's looking at the result of their faith. Because he focused on, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again. So we see the first thing about our faith is it results in a new birth. Because of our, our faith in Jesus Christ, we have been born again. And that's a, that's a good news for all of those who are sitting here today. For those that have given their life to Jesus Christ, that regardless of the trials and the tribulations that you go through, the one thing that you can rejoice in is that you have been born again. And that's the reason why Peter said you can praise God, although you're going through some trials and tribulations. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because you have been born again. So he reminds them of that fact, that although you're going through some trials and tribulations now, you have a new birth. And he says this new birth is not just any new birth, it's a new birth into a living hope. Not a dead hope, not just one of those hopes where you just hope this happens or hopes that happens. It's into a hope that is living, it's alive. And hope is akin to faith because it's, it's based on something you don't see. But it's hope based on what has been foretold and what uh, deems to be true. And so we see this faith is, re- gives birth to a new birth, amen? Gives new birth into this, uh, because of this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So Peter, again, is focusing on the foundation of our faith, which is the fact that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. And because of that, he said we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, kept in heaven for you. So he's saying, hold on, hold on, because you have an inheritance. You may not have what you want here, but when you get to heaven, Jesus Christ says, I go to prepare a place for you. Where I go, you will go also. And so this is, again, good news for those that have given their life to Jesus Christ, for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, and that we have a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Now, if Jesus Christ never did anything else for us, nothing else, then he's already done enough. If he never blesses you anymore, then he's already done enough. If you lose your house, he's already done more for you than what you deserve. If you lose your job, he's already done more for you than what you deserve. Amen? So don't, don't focus so much on the trials and the tribulations that you go through. But just focus on what Christ has already done. I like what Paul said. He said this in Ephesians, he said this is your spiritual blessings, not the material things. He said these are spiritual blessings, things that you can't put a price on, things that can't be measured, things that are dedicated, things that are given specifically to the redeemed, to those that are gods. So this is something that can encourage those who are going through struggling who are going through trials, who are going through tribulations, and sometimes wonder, folks, on why is all this happening? And does God love me because I'm going through this? Does he care? Does he hear what I'm saying? But let us keep in mind that he's already laid out blessings more than we can ever imagine, more than we can even ask for. Amen? Amen? So it's great that we serve a God, that we serve a God who has given us new birth. And this new birth should lead to a different walk. It should lead to a different talk. Amen? So he's called us. And, and that's what Peter focuses on up in, the, in verse 2. He says he's called you for obedience to Jesus Christ. So he didn't call you just to be calling you. He didn't call you just to give you an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled. But he called you for obedience to Jesus Christ. And he says, and sprinkling by his blood. Amen? Sprinkle, anybody, sprinkled by the blood of Jesus Christ. By his blood, we are healed. Amen? Amen. So the the sufferings, those that Peter is focusing on, those that are going through some sufferings, those that are going through some trials, he says, don't, in in a sense, that's okay. That's okay. Still praise God anyhow because of these blessings that he's talking about, because of these spiritual blessings. Focus on the things that are before you, things that are to come. And not on just what's happening right now. Satan is a deceiver in that if he can get your mind focused on what's going on now. If he can get you to take your eyes off of Christ and put your eyes on the circumstance. Then he's already starting to do a number on you. Amen. But it says fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen. So the first thing we see with this faith is that. Peter, again, focuses on the result of their faith, which is their new birth. So that's encouragement to them. But Peter doesn't just leave them there. He says, okay, I know that you're going through some stuff. And I'm not going to pretend like you're not going through some stuff. So I'm going to give you something that will help you and strengthen you in your walk. And so he goes on and he acknowledges the suffering. Uh, He doesn't just ignore the suffering and pretend like everything is going good. But he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So he says, first of all, you rejoice in the things, you rejoice in those spiritual blessings, you rejoice because you have been born again, because you have a living hope, because you have this inheritance. But he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, you may suffer some trials, some tribulations. But then he gives them the reason why they are suffering for trials and tribulations. If anyone wants to know and loses sight of the fact of why we go through trials and tribulations, put a, put a, put a bookmark in 1 Peter 1.6, because he tells you, he says, In this rejoice, so now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, so that the tested genuineness of your faith. Now, when you think of something that's genuine, you don't think, it's, it's anything but generic, right? Right? It's not generic. It's authentic. It's real. And so he says that your faith, your trials and your tribulations are coming that your faith may be tested to be genuine. That your faith may be tested to be real. And then Peter goes on and, and he focuses on and puts out an analogy of, of how this looks with gold and silver. For he says that you, it, your faith is more precious than gold. That perishes though it is tested by fire. Now if you know anything about gold and the refining process. When you extract gold and, and, and you work with gold you have to extract the impurities from it. You have to get impurities from it. And the only way you can do that is through refining. It takes a lot of heat, a lot of pressure. It takes time. It takes effort. That gold that you may have on your wrist or that gold that you have on your neck or that gold that you have on your finger, it looks the way it does because it went through a process. It didn't just come out. They didn't just go to the mountain and pull that out like, it, like that. It didn't look like that. You may have been so tempted to walk past it and didn't even know it was gold at first. But because of the process, the smelting and all the things that it went through, the heat that it was applied, extreme heat. But it was able to stand the heat because it was gold. And when you look at gold, you think about gold, there's carrots. You got 24 carat. you got 12 carats, you got 18 carats, 14 carats. Might even have two carat. (laughs) On this list, that determines how pure the gold is. 24 carat is 100% pure. 12 carat, you know, 50% pure. Get some people checking their gold. Be like, oh, what do I got? What did he get me? That eight carat, eight, man, I tell you. Don't check your gold, don't check your gold. I'm going to go back to the husbands. I thought I had some real good pure gold. I thought eight was good. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But when we look at this gold and the process that it goes through, and the fact that 24 karat, it has to go through so much to remove the impurities. And we have, if we're honest with ourselves, we've got a lot of impurities that need to be removed from our faith. We've got a lot of impurities, things that contaminate our faith. We put our faith in other things. We put our faith in money. We put our faith in our our spouses or we put our faith in our jobs. We put our faith in many other things but God. And in order to direct our faith and to make it a pure faith, a pure faith is a faith that is rooted in Jesus Christ and nothing else. In order to do that, we have to go through some trials and tribulations. You have to go through some heat. And as you go through this heat, then your faith becomes tested. And what we thought was genuine faith, there are times when you go through some things and you thought you had faith before. But when you go through the trials and tribulations, when you go through the test, then that's when you really acknowledge where your faith lies. And so God has to take us through some things not so much for his benefit, but for our benefit, so that our faith may be proved genuine. It's important that our faith be pure, for a pure faith results in a better walk with God, a more obedient walk with God. And so it's important that our faith be pure. And so we see just as gold has to go through this process of of being heated to remove the impurities, God has to put some pressure on us, has to lead us through some trials and tribulations uh, that we may be rid of of our impurities that are hindering us from being what God has called us to be. Because in order for us to be all that he's called us to be, it's going to require great faith. It's just like it says that in, in the Gospels that Jesus Christ said, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, that's what he said. He said, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains, right? And somebody say, well, faith the size of a mustard seed is pretty small, but the fact is it was quality faith. He said, if you, if you have quality faith, if it's just the size of a mustard seed, you can do great things. And so that's what God is trying to get us to, to that point. And in this materialistic society that we live in today, we're tempted, we're, we're tested on every front to put our faith in so many other things. We're tempted to put our faith in those that we love, those that are near us, and so that when they let us down, we feel like the world is falling apart. Or when we lose our jobs, we feel like the world is going to fall apart. Or when we get a foreclosure notice, we feel like the world is falling apart. But we must trust in God, and that's where it's going to lead us to a greater faith in him. That through those trials and through those tribulations, we may come to know him in a a greater way than we do. If I may back up in verse 5, the one thing that we do see that Peter focuses on when he talks about their faith and the result of that faith, which is the living hope, or through the uh, new birth. The one thing we don't want to skim over, he says, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So he says that God's power is what is guarding you, but it's guarding you so much as your faith. So, and this word that he talks about, God's power, are being guarded. This guarded is like a garrison. I don't know if you know what a garrison is. It's just kind of like a, 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 a huge uh, fleet, I guess, that, that, is, that is guarding something, that is protecting it. And so we see he's saying that God's power is guarding you through your faith. And so we see the importance again of our faith that we will be guarded by God's power. Just as Paul said, my, uh, my power is made perfect in your weakness because our faith is in God. Now, we're being shielded by God. Amen. We're being shielded by God, but that doesn't mean that the arrows won't stop coming. That doesn't mean that the devil will not continue to try to sift us like wheat. So when the devil shoots arrows of temptation, he shoots arrows of lies, of lust at you. As long as our faith is rooted in God, then we will be okay. Being guarded by God's power. What's the word of the month? Power. Power. Being guarded by God's power. Until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So God doesn't just guard us for a little bit. He doesn't guard us for a season and leave us to ourselves. He says he guards us until the coming of salvation, until the last time, until that salvation works its way until the end, until we go home. So take comfort in knowing that God is always with you, that God will continue to guard you, even when you feel like you're on an island at times by yourself or even when you feel like at times that no one else cares or that God is not maybe there. If I may take again a page from the Sunday school lesson, we see this woman. She, Jesus Christ didn't respond to her the first time. Amen. But that did not stop her from pursuing Jesus Christ. It's almost as if the more silent he got or the more he withdrew, the stronger her faith got. I think it's one of those snakes. I don't know which one it is. The bull constrict or the python or whatever. The more you resist, the tighter it gets. It just sucks the air out of you because the tighter, the more you resist, the the tighter it gets. And that's the type of faith that God is trying to work in us. That the more trials and tribulations come in our life, the stronger our faith becomes. To where it just, it just suffocates doubt. It suffocates unbelief. It suffocates the lies that Satan brings our way. It suffocates those things that hinder us from walking faithfully to God may our faith as the trials come upon us may we not begin to shy away but may our faith become even stronger may they become even stronger than they were before where you can say Satan I know you meant to do me in but you don't know you just made me stronger than I was before because where you meant it for bad God meant it for good. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We serve a great God. We serve a great God. All he's asking us to do is to trust and to put our faith in him. Now we know what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So if we begin to put our, our, if our faith is driven by what we see, then we're going to be in trouble because it's not based on what we see, right? It's based on what has already taken place and that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and for me. So we see Peter focusing on the fact that this faith, first of all, he brings the good news. He says, look, I know you're suffering, but rejoice because you have a new birth. He says, also, you're being guarded by God's power through your faith. So our faith leads to power. And he goes on and he talks about why that faith is tested, why you're going through the sufferings and the trials that you do. He says, because it's going to test your genuineness, that others may see that you have 24-carat faith, that where you were, you had 12K faith before. You're 24 karat because of what you've gone through. And as I shared this morning, some of us are scared to ask the Lord for more faith. Because we know in order to get more faith, you've got to go through some stuff. Faith is not based on just, you know, you just, everything being okay. You've got to go through some things. In order to strengthen your faith. But glory be to God, that the stronger our faith is, regardless of what we go through, it doesn't matter because He's with us. And that's the product of our faith. That's the result of our faith. And that regardless of what's what's going what we're going through, that we know that Jesus Christ is on our side, that He is, He has the best for us. That He's not going to do us in. That we are His. Amen. And that we are co-heirs with Christ, heirs of God, then if we just believe his promises, then we will make it. And as others look at us and they see us going through our trials and tribulations, and rather than sometimes being looked upon as Christians that are just getting whooped up, beat up, looking messed up, And then some people look at that and say, well, man, if that's the God, if that's what it means to serve God, I don't know if I want any of that. I was doing better outside. But the fact is, let our faith be seen by those who may know what we're going through. And that's the true testimony And that when we go through some things, that when they see that you still can rejoice, you still can praise, you still can give God glory, you can still call on his name, that you haven't given up, then that is the testimony of the saints. And when somebody, nothing like when somebody knows what you've been through, the the trials that you have faced, and they say, I didn't even, you know, and then there are some that don't even know. They'd be like, I didn't even know you've been through that. It's because of God. It's but God. It's because he was on my side, because he strengthened me, because he didn't give up on me, because his grace was working in me. And you say to yourself, I don't even know how I did it. I don't know how I made it. I can't explain it. I'm just here because of his grace. It's unexplainable. It's that peace that surpasses all understanding when you just look back over some of the things that God has done in your life and where he's brought you from. And if you look back and you go through some things, how much more stronger should your faith be? And you should know, Lord, if you brought me from what you did before, how much more will you not do for me? You didn't bring me this far to leave me now. You didn't bring me this far to leave me now. Persevere to the end. Enduring because he is with you. Amen. Amen. We see also. This faith that is being tested. In verse 8 Peter says that though you have not seen him. You love him. Even though you do not see him now you believe in him. So he reminds them of what faith looks like. He says that, he, and, and we can speak of the same, right? We don't see Jesus Christ now, but we still love him. Yeah. We love him because he first loved us, yeah. because he died on the cross for us. That's yeah. why we love him. We don't have to see him physically to feel him spiritually, amen? Yeah. We know he exists. We know that he's with us. Yeah. And so Peter can say, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And he says, you are filled and rejoice with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Inexpressible. Where you can't even, you can't explain it. I I don't know where that joy comes from. I just, it's just there. I I don't know. Don't ask me. (laughs) Don't ask me. Because I don't know, I just know that it comes from Jesus Christ. It comes by my faith in God, obtaining the outcome of your faith. If He says, if you persevere through this, though you do not see Him, though you do not, though you have do not see Him now, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul. He focuses on the key point here and he says the salvation, because you're receiving the salvation of your soul. The moment we give our life to Jesus Christ, we are justified. One time event, it doesn't happen over and over again. Once you accept Jesus Christ, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, justified. Found innocent by the blood of Jesus Christ. Change from an object of God's wrath to an object of his mercy. So let us not fret. And I'm reminded of what was said to Martin Luther, when the devil comes before you, and he says, you deserve death and hell, just admit to him, say, yes, you're right, I do deserve death and hell. But I know one that died for me, and suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, he's the son of God, and where he is, I shall go also. So he may be right in that, in that, in that area. I am a sinner. I, I do deserve death. But it's because of his grace and his mercy that I am receiving the outcome of my faith. Hold true with your faith. Your faith is being tested. That your faith may become genuine. It may become more pure. It's a process of sanctification that Pastor just spoke about a little while ago. Sanctification, being made to look more and more like Jesus Christ. In order to look more and more like Jesus Christ, the impurities have to be removed from our faith. It has to be a clean faith. Give us clean hands and a pure heart. We say that. Let us believe that. And let us trust in him that whatever trials and tribulations that come our way, it's for our good and that he knows best that we may receive the outcome of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls. And then on that great day, when we are called up, we can, we can rejoice and be like, I didn't know if I knew now, if I knew then what I know now, I can just picture it as in heaven. Lord, I would have been rejoicing even more than I was when I was down there if I knew what you had in store. If I only knew. It says our suffering cannot compare to the glory that we revealed in them on that great day. It can't compare. Pressed on every side, but not crushed. Amen? Amen. Let's give God glory and honor. Amen? So no matter what, continue to trust in the Lord, knowing that your faith is the foundation. It is the, it is the organ that everything else flows through. If you got bad faith, then your walk and everything else is it's going to manifest itself in your walk. But if our faith is strong, if we have 24-carat faith, if our faith is pure, then our walk would be that much more stronger in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father God, we give you glory and honor, Lord. We acknowledge you as our Lord and our Savior. We thank you, Father God, that you do not leave us to ourselves, Father God. But that through our trials and through our tribulations, Lord, you continue to mold us and make us into who you want us to be, Father God, more like Jesus Christ. We thank you that you care so much about us, Lord, that you discipline us. That you don't just leave us to our own selves, Father God, that we can do whatever we want, but as a father cares for his, or a parent cares for his children, you also care for us, Father God. And so we thank you for that process, although we may not always understand it. I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen our faith in you, that you will help us in our unbelief, that we can rejoice and have an inexpressible and glorious joy through the midst of our trials and our tribulations. May you be glorified in our life, in good seasons and in bad seasons, Father God. Again, we thank you, Father, for your word, for your word is enduring. And this is the word that has been preached this day. Again, we thank and we praise you. It's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.